Welcome to Shit Talk Fridays, a podcast where we talk about all things lifestyle and relationships with a splash of controversy. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm Gina. And I'm Evo. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Whoa. What happened? It like the the volume kind of like peaked in there. Oh, okay. In your headphones? Yeah. So I'm so happy to be back this Friday. And even though the topic that we're going to talk about is it's a little heavy, uh, I'm still excited to talk about it. So today we are talking about toxic exes. Okay, <clears throat> Kanye. Oh. Is there an echo in here? <laughs> The reason why we decided to talk about this is because recently I read on Yahoo that Kanye is looking to admit himself into some sort of facility that will help him with his behavioral issues and, quote, be a better man and be a better father. Good. I mean, I think that uh, that's the responsible thing to do. I would agree. And he's. You know, it's no surprise to anybody that he suffers from uh, mental illness. He is bipolar. So there are a lot of things that are built into who Kanye is and potentially why he is behaving the way he is behaving uh, amidst the breakup between or the divorce rather between him and his wife because she is now officially divorced from him. I don't really follow this Kim and Kanye thing. I think the reason why that popped up in my feed was because... um, I was researching toxic exes and, you know, kind of what goes into that type of behavior or that yeah. type of relationship. And I found it surprising. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting. So before before you move on from that, I just what? wanted to point out that I, I watched the um, the Kanye special. Oh, it's, did it's you? It's a three episode special mm-hmm. um, where it there's a there's a guy. I forgot the guy's name, but he's a he's like a, a videographer mm-hmm. and he ends up like recording Kanye's whole career like back from when he was in Chicago okay uh there was a a station called Channel Zero and the guy used to film for Channel Zero and at the same time he was recording Kanye and he found he has footage of Kanye's whole career from like even before he even came to New York and like started messing with Rockefeller and it's very clear that Kanye's downfall was when his mother died. Okay. Like, that's when, like, his life just kind of started, started to spiral out of control. So even though that he was, um, you know, dealing with mental issues, mm-hmm. he still had it put to, he had it very well together mm-hmm. with his mother by his side. And it just seemed like that after that, that's when, like, everything just went downhill for him. Okay. And I, I think I've said this in the past. I completely understand that. I yeah. come from a trauma-ridden past And I want to say this lightly, even though you suffer from mental illness, even though you suffer from something trauma related that I still don't think that that gives you the right to intentionally hurt other people. Of course not. No, I was just bringing this up. I was bringing this up because I'm sure like myself, if you're a fan of Kanye, you at some point you wondered like what happened? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this, this person that. You know, me personally speaking for myself, I love, still love so much of his music. He was such an inspiration to me, such a big part of my life. Mm-hmm. And to, you know, to see someone like that spiral out of control at some point in that, you know, in the height of their career with so much success, you know, it's it's kind of heartbreaking a bit. Um, and you kind of left to wonder what happened. You know, like yeah, you would think that you know, looking from the outside, you know, somebody like that, they have it all. And it turns out, you know, it's a cliche story that it's lonely at the top, and it's not really what it is. And there's a lot of things that make a person unhappy, even though they're very very successful. And so, you know, in reference to Kanye, I know I found answers 
for myself in the, in the special that he had mm. and that it was clear that you know it was after his mother died that he really kind of like lost control of his emotions okay i know you have a soft spot for kanye i do i do it's sad but you know i don't think it's sad but i i know that you have a soft spot for him because you and i are on opposite ends of that conversation when it comes to kanye so the fact that he is walking around being a toxic ex, you know, buying the property right next door to Kim and, you know, coming out with songs talking about what he's going to do to her current boyfriend. Um, and there are some other video clips of things that Kanye has said to Kim while they were in a relationship, like things like he doesn't want her wearing certain things going out. She's the mother of his kids. Things that seem very controlling because when they entered the relationship, Kim was who she was. Right. and. Um, later on, it seemed like Kanye wasn't okay with that, even though I feel like he even built her up to be that way, which makes a lot of sense based on what I now understand are the levels of what it is to be a toxic person, um, or to be in a toxic relationship and how the abusive partner or partners can have levels of their relationship and in the end, what it will come out to be. But before I get into that, I want to just start off by giving what what is the definition of um, toxic people? Because it doesn't necessarily have to be in a relationship. It could just be a toxic person. So according to um, psychologist Dr. Lillian Glass, author of the book Toxic People, a toxic relationship is any relationship between people who don't support each other, where there's conflict and one seeks to undermine the other and there's a lack of cohesiveness. Sounds about right. Yeah. I actually continued reading on the article that this author and psychologist, you know, really goes in depth of what makes someone toxic in a relationship. And I was pretty surprised because you think that someone that is behaving in the manner of toxicity, you don't necessarily think that they have a plan. That there are levels to this shit. Come to find out that there is. Whether or not that they are aware of it. Or the person that is being abused is aware of it. It's happening at different phases. And the reason why I was so surprised. Is because I myself was in a relationship. Where there was emotional and physical abuse once upon a time. And now understanding the phases of being in a toxic relationship. I 100% went through those phases. And it fucking bugs me out. Because you don't really think that there's like a psychology behind that. You think of toxic people, you think sometimes, oh, this this guy or girl, they're crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's called a psychological profile. No, oh. it's how you know. I mean, I, I you know, I got that from like um, you know murder mystery shows <laughs> and how they uh, how they profile you know psycho killers and things like that. And yeah. and that would be a psychological profile of a toxic person. So let's get into the phases. First and foremost, it starts off starts off with the idolization phase. And in this phase, there's a term that starts to happen. It's called love bombing. At this point, your partner is overwhelming you with all types of affection, you know, words of affirmation, taking you out on dates, giving you gifts. Mm-hmm you know surprising you with things just Build, making building you, you up yeah they're building you up they they are making you feel like you are everything and in in turn 
you then feel like you have found the one. Mm-hmm. Because they are giving you all of those, you know, fairy tale things. You know, you're beautiful. I love you. Here's gifts. I'm surprising you. I'm taking you here. We're doing this. And they're giving you so much attention that what it's doing is creating this craving inside of you for this person, for this other person. Right. Yeah. They're you're setting. They're setting a level of. Um, they're setting a level of expectation from you. Yeah. That what a toxic person i'm sure i'm sure it's, it's gonna follow is that they eventually at some point they flip the switch yeah knock all that shit down drop you to the floor and all of a sudden you're left wanting this pedestal that you were on and now almost feeling like you need to appease this person and please them in a way their ego or whatever it is so that they go back to being that person that they was. I like how Evo didn't roll the dice, but then he just jumped space. <laughs> he said, I know what happens next. Yeah. I mean, I just kind of feel like based on our conversation and yeah. you know, I didn't even know if that you were going to go into that next, but I could just already see that playing out like that. <laughs> yeah. I think it's very easy to make that sort of assessment when you're on the outside looking in, because mm-hmm. when this shit is happening to you, you have almost no clue yeah. Because when it goes to the second phase, which is the devaluation phase, whereas the the abuser will start to devalue you as their partner, as their significant other, as their husband or wife. And they will start to do this with verbal abuse, name calling, condescending sarcasm, an, imme- an immediate withdrawal of affection. Uh, they will start to minimize or completely withdraw gift giving surprises um, and they will also start to instill a sense of worthlessness to the partner that they are abusing with the name calling with the emotional abuse they will start to pick at things in their partner that they know are weaknesses because in the first stage the love bombing you feel so secure and you feel so comfortable with this person that you open up and you tell them all your deep, dark secrets. Maybe mm-hmm. things that have happened to you. Maybe things that you're insecure about. And then what do they do? They turn that shit around on you, like you said. They then use that against you to belittle you as a person, to make you feel worthless. And you almost then start to feel like, wow, am I really somebody that isn't valuable? Am I worthless? Right. Well, yeah. You, you're looking at this person that you care for. Mm-hmm. You see them as valuable to you because at one point they were making you feel like you're on top of the world. Correct. And you've opened up to this person. You know, ex- you've you've uh, you've you've shared some of your most vulnerable secrets about yourself. You know, in connecting with that person, and then they turn around, sw- flip the switch on you. And then now they're using that information to belittle you. And so now you're looking at this person who you care about, who you care about what they say, saying things about you that are negative. And I can see how a person might feel like, wow, well, this person knows me and they're they're saying these things about me. So, you know, there must be something to it, Mm -hmm. you know, and then immediately devaluing themselves. Mm -hmm. That's fucked up. That's real fucked up. Yeah, for sure. Support for Shit Talk Fridays is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. 
I can't count the number of times I've nicked myself using shoddy-ass trimmers that literally left me anxious about grooming. Manscaped skin-safe technology has restored my faith when grooming below the waist. And did I mention the new 4.0 lawnmower has a 4K LED light, so you ain't missing shit. So head over to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with the code STFRIDAYS20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code STFRIDAYS20. Unlock the confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Now back to the show. Yeah, absolutely. Then it comes, it comes, there's another, there's another stage. And I was about to say the last stage. It It's essentially the last stage. But there is like one subcategory after this one that sometimes happens and sometimes doesn't happen. But the third stage is the discard phase. The f- dis- discard phase. Uh, and this phase is what it sounds like they fucking get rid of you they discard you or um they then discard all of your feelings you literally at this point mean nothing to them and what they've done up until this point is that they the abuser has done a really good job of making you feel like you're fucking crazy so when they started off by saying you know I love you, you're beautiful, and they give you all these things, and then they turn around and they start to manipulate you in the way where they start to pick at things about you that you have shared with them. When you start to react to those things, they gaslight you. They're like, what are you talking about? You're crazy. You you know, these things about you are things that you've talked to me about. You know, maybe you should work on them. Mm -hmm. They're making you feel like your state of mind is abnormal, it's not welcomed, you know, and it's, it's all part of their plan. And this is why I, this is why I, when I thought about this, I said to myself, wow, it doesn't seem like someone who is toxic and will then be the abuser in a relationship. Like they go into this with a plan, but obviously this is something that many partners will do to their significant other. And I think what's even crazier is that sometimes this can happen simultaneously yeah. yeah so what i'm getting is that they're 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 using inf- they're using information that you have given to them and confidence and putting it against you mm-hmm. to make you feel like there's something wrong with you yes 100 percent. and that's what th- that is the essence of gaslighting yeah so once they discarded you whether they dump you um or they l- let's say maybe you're married and you're still coexisting and now it's basically like you are nobody to them, even though you may still be in the same presence. What potentially could happen at this point is the person that has been abused, the partner that has been abused the entire time is now trauma bonded to this abuser and they feel stuck. Because they are, for the most part, reflecting upon a time when their relationship was in the first phase. Yeah. When they had all that love, when they had all that attention, when they had all that time. And the infatuation and, was just yeah. on 10. Yes. Because at that point, the abuser has made the the abusee feel like they were everything to them. And the abusee feels like this person is the one for me. Yeah. So now they're stuck in this cycle because even though there's phases, this phase can repeat itself. It can go from the discarding phase back to the initial phase 
because the abuser is noticing that potentially the partner that they've been abusing the whole time wants to exit because sometimes when someone's toxic or narcissistic and they only care about their feelings they like the presence of other people could it be that the that the partner that's being abused all of a sudden starts acting in a way that the abuser is looking for them to act and then therefore they kind of reward them and start giving them some of the treatment that it is that they're looking for so i think that that's possible i don't necessarily think that the abuser the toxic person is actually ever really looking for this person to behave in a particular way because it's really about them it's really about the abuser it's how they feel right it's about okay. their power journey over someone else so i really don't think that there's something that someone else could ever do that will satisfy them because they need help yeah definitely need help so what is what does one do if they find themselves in a situation where they're in a relationship with someone that's toxic and that person is being abusive to them well uh, i think it it definitely depends it definitely depends on the type of abuse that you are experiencing because we do know that there are different types of abuse right. um there's emotional abuse there's physical abuse and then there's one that i found very surprising financial abuse mm -hmm. which is where one of the partners will keep their financials keeping them over the other partner so like say for example a stay-at-home mom and in that particular realm they feel like they are stuck i'm not a psychologist i can't give advice to someone and say this is what i think you should do what i can tell you is is what i did this is the advice that i would mm -hmm. like to give my past relationship where i was in a toxic relationship and it was actually toxic on both ends um, we hurt each other there was just uh, a physical part on the other end that was not being reciprocated and i mean physical abuse it honestly nothing anybody told me nothing anybody tried to do for me is what helped me get out it literally got to the point one day where i felt like i was not living my life my life was being controlled by someone that when i seeked out to be more ambitious to be more of a go-getter i was being pulled back right. by this person that wanted to control me because it had a lot to do with their own insecurities and i was young when this was happening so i didn't i didn't understand that i just i just felt as they themselves had issues that they were dealing with but they were kind of like somewhat taking them out on me and i i felt bad for them which is i think the crazy part because this is the trauma bonding part right. you, you become you're so traumatized from what you're going through that you almost what's that what's that stockholm syndrome you almost become connected to your captor somewhat not that i was in, in, in capture or anything um so for me it was a switch and what i mean by a switch was there was a one particular incident where i was told that i could not do something 
and then some of my items personal items were damaged and that was that was the breaking point for me mm. i reached the point where i felt as i was not being allowed to live my life as gina and i needed to break free from that and breaking free meant for me walking away from everything with the clothes on my back and then figuring out every step after that i had friends at that time that i was going through this that every day would say to me i don't know why you're putting up with this i don't know why you're letting this man do this to you you know i got a lot of that thing that you hear when someone's in an abusive relationship why are you letting this person do this to you and then what i think is crazy too is that a lot of that um the devaluation was happening i was being told that i was crazy for thinking the way you're treating me is is wrong Mm -hmm. you know i and i was being told no you you're doing this you're making me do this to you those are a lot of the things that i heard and i just remember year after year just feeling like okay maybe if i behave a particular way this person will be happy and then maybe we could go back to the beginning and luckily i realized that that was not what was going to happen so my advice is just try to remind yourself that you are valuable and that the abuse that you're receiving is not your fault as hard as it may seem especially when you have children or if you're married or you're being you're being convinced by your abuser that it is your fault yeah um when you're stuck in a situation like that i truly believe that there has to be an individual breaking point for somebody and sadly i think that there are some women and some men that never reach that breaking point and they are either stuck in that situation for you know into the point to where they lose their lives and um i would also encourage the person that is being abused or if there it's happening on both ends to potentially seek some sort of counseling or some sort of therapy because i think that's the only way you know going back to kanye is to seek out why are you having these behavioral actions towards another human being why are you doing these things it's coming from somewhere you know and now that i am able to look back upon my past relationship i know that the person that was abusing me at that time had significant amount of trauma themselves yeah i think that I think that one of the most important parts of someone that is toxic finding help is obviously identifying that there is an issue that they need to change and that they need help with. Um, So if someone finds themselves in a relationship where they feel that their partner is toxic, a key thing to do would be in my opinion, would be to try to see if that person, the toxic person, is willing to identify or in somewhat way admit that they do have an issue or there is something mm. going on with them. Um, I think that is, that, is a, that is a key thing to identify in order to be able to determine whether there is a possibility that this thing that's going on between you and this toxic person that you're with has a chance in changing. So... I would suggest to someone that may be in the situation to try to identify that because that's the first step of anything turning around mm. is the toxic person actually admitting that there is something that needs to be changed in order for there even being like a remote chance of anything changing. And if the person, the abuser, 
the victim doesn't see that, then maybe they might want to try to seek options on exiting that situation. Because there's in reality, there's no solution. You mm-hmm. know, if you you know problems are between two people are solved between two people. You know, they must have to come to an agreement and work through it together. And if the person that you're having a problem with, if you as a victim and your your abuser, you're trying to you know maybe see if they can get help. If they're refusing to admit that there's an issue, then there's no there's not going to be any resolution. Mm-hmm. And so, as, as sad as it as it sounds, sometimes you just got to walk away. You know. I think that when I hear you say that, I know where that's coming from. And tell me if I'm wrong, but that sounds like the advice that is given to an addict. The first stage of of recovery is to admit that you you are addicted to something yeah well i mean it, it, it comes more from myself and knowing that some of the most flawed characteristics about myself that i've changed in my life mm-hmm. only happened because i was able to identify them um, and i can look back at them now and look at those as decisions as great decisions that i made for myself to better myself so someone who is toxic but it depends. I think it depends on what type of toxic person they are, because let's let's just be clear that there are some that are have a lot of. It's not it's not that easy, like there needs to be multiple steps. Yes, there like, needs to be multiple steps. But I believe mm-hmm. that the first step. Comes from looking in the mirror and saying something about what I'm seeing has to change. That's that's like I feel like the first initial step from within that kind of sprouts the seed yeah and i'm only speaking from my own experience you yeah. know some of the things that i've changed about myself that have been more the most significant started with me looking at myself in the mirror and saying what you just did or what you've been doing is that's that's not it <laughs> like you need to do something about this like you, you i'm identifying with myself that there's something about myself that is that needs to change and that's the first step so going back to what i was saying for two people in a relationship, if the victim is not able to get the the toxic person that they're with, the abuser, to somehow identify this characteristic within themselves, then you may have a problem resolving that issue as a couple in the long run. Yeah. And you may want to seek a different alternative for your life. And if you have, if there's children involved, you know, then you want to think about them and, you know, and their well-being as well in that situation. I mean, ultimately, the best thing to do would be to work it out with your partner and grow together, you know, understand each other, change with each other, you know, and kind of like ride out into the sunset. Right. I mean, I think my personal opinion, that would be the ideal situation. Yes. If it's if it's workable, if it's workable. Yes, of course. But I but again, going back to what I was saying. I only see the opportunity as it being workable is if the abuser, the toxic person, is able to admit that there's mm-hmm. something that they personally within themselves need to work on. Yeah. That's the you know, that's the the key takeaway for me. If an abuser can't get their their toxic partner to even admit it, then how well, No, what, not not the abu- no, you mean cuz okay. I said if the abuse if the if the uh, the victim mm-hmm. is what I meant to say, sorry. Yeah. So if the victim cannot get their toxic partner to even admit that they're toxic in any way, which way whatsoever, then I mean, what what are we solving? You know, in order to solve a problem, you have to identify it first. Yeah, and that's a vicious cycle because I'm going to tell you why that's potentially somewhat dangerous is because if you're trying to get the toxic 
partner to admit that they have toxicity, that there's a characteristic about them that makes them behave in that way, you then can be faced with the gaslighting of you're crazy. What the fuck are you talking about? I'm not like that. It's you. You make me like this. Yeah. You know, because I've heard that many times in my life. I've heard men and women say things about their partner in the regard of he or she made me like this. Mm-hmm. He or she made me like, he or she made me do these things that I've done to them. And once upon a time, I I, I potentially understood that somewhat. Because you could be in a situation with a significant other where you get into an argument and what they say to you makes you really angry. Yeah. So something that I read that I, is, was so enlightening to me is one of the key issues with when you're dealing with someone who's toxic is their inability to change the word you to I. So example is if they are in a, if, if two people are in an argument and the abuser then says to the victim, you made me angry. Their inability to change that statement and say, I am now angry by the words that you used against me. If they can interchange the I, then there's some sort of realization that I am in control of my own feelings. The things that you say to me, they have angered me. Mm-hmm. But I am feeling like this. You didn't make me feel like this. And this is something that you and I, um, more recently, I read a book about self-awareness that really helped me understand that. So when I am in some sort of dispute with you, I have to remind myself sometimes that regardless of what is being said to me, I'm I'm the one in the seat. I'm I'm the driver. Yeah, well that's 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 easier said than done. Oh, uh, well, hello. <laughs> I am in my 40s and I'm yeah. fucking just reading a book that I sat back and I was like, "Holy fuck. I think the best example that I could think of that the book helped me really understand was uh I want to say maybe a couple of weeks after I had finished the book, uh, Mateo and I, my our, our middle son, I was driving and a guy almost hit us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after I made sure that Mateo was okay, I then immediately wrangled my feelings and I said to myself, I'm okay. He's okay. I'm not going to let this, I'm not going to let this spoil my day because we were off to go do something nice that day and... I just drove off. Yeah, I think it's a lot easier to say. It's a lot easier to say, you made me angry. Yeah. Instead of, I lost control of my feelings. Correct. So, um, but here's here's an interesting question. What makes a person a toxic person? What makes someone a toxic person? Like, how does it, how does... How does a guy or a girl mm-hmm. enter a relationship and end up being a toxic person? How do they, how do they get to that point? What are some of the what are some of the, the things that that bring bring those characteristics out of a person? Are you asking my personal opinion? Yeah, I'd like to know your personal opinion. Well, based off of my own experience, it was their own insecurities and it was their own trauma from childhood and how they viewed women that made that man do the things that he did to me. Hmm. The way he behaved to me was based on 
how he himself experienced abuse as a young man from the hands of people that were supposed to be that were supposed to be his caretakers. Yeah. Um, so then when he became of age to take care of himself, he always wanted to have control. And him wanting to always have control meant if I wanted to do something that was outside of those parameters, yeah. there were they needed to be a way where he could reel me back in. And sometimes that strategy was not something that was like, hey, um, I'm feeling your way about this. Could you not go out tonight? No, it was, um, I'm actually going to fucking bleach your clothes and tell you that you're a fucking whore for wearing red lipstick. Those were the type of tactics that, that be, because when it when you feel a lack of sense of control, you feel out of control, right? Yeah. So if you feel out of control, that sometimes is coupled with anger, and you know when you have when you have anger and you potentially then are trying to expel it, it comes out all fucked up. You know, it's not coming out like, hey, babe. I'm feeling away tonight. No, it comes out like, hey, you fucking bitch. Or, you know, like we said, you know, all the devaluing, all the verbal abuse comes out. Yeah. But I think it comes from trauma, uh, potential past trauma, a lack of a lack of um, understanding of like control. You know, maybe one time you have been in a situation because I. I can say that as a young person, I was in situations where I had no control of what was happening to me. And then when you get older, you're like, I want to control everything because yeah. I'm never going to let what happened to me exactly, exactly when I was yeah. younger happen to me again. So if it involves another human being, I'm going to put in the work to make sure that I have the control yeah. over that. It's either it's so it's either like it's a, so there's a phrase that I heard the other day mm -hmm. and it's a, it's like as far as it's either so in life you're either hustling or you're getting hustled mm. right and so in in the situation of a toxic person and them being in a relationship with someone who is a, we're going to call them a victim that per the, the the toxic person at one point in their life they were the victim they were the victim in some they had some type of relationship with somebody where they were the victim of a toxic relationship with someone and once they've come out of that situation, looking back at their life, tell themselves never again. And in, yeah. order, and in order for that to never happen again, that involves refusing to be a victim. And so if, they're refused to, if they see themselves as the victim and identify who they were as a victim, the only thing that they know that is opposite of that was their toxic abuser. And mm. so they easily take that role to never sit or Fuck. step into the, the victim role ever again. And so people end wow, up. Wow, yeah. that's. It's basically what you said in a nutshell. Yeah, but you said that so much. Because <laughs> I, <was, laughs> I was just basing that off of pure experience yeah. because I was the, I was the victim. Yeah. But then they were, I don't want to, and I'm not trying to downplay this past relationship that I had. I, I don't think I was ever an abuser, but there were time, there were moments that I was toxic. Yeah, I mean, we all, I was, you know, th thinking about our relationship and yeah. some of the things that I've changed about myself in our relationship, mm -hmm. I can look back at those characteristics and I'm mature enough to say, wow, those were some toxic, tr 
you know traits that i had that i yeah that i changed about myself um but it takes someone right so wait let's just dial it back for a second okay so that is one way mm-hmm. that you end up being the toxic you individual. end up be, yeah well that's what yeah, you end up being the toxic in, individual or you yes that is one way another way is if you're in a relationship with someone and same thing where you're a victim of a toxic person and then once that relationship ends and you move on to the next one you then become the toxic person in that Mm. relationship but here's what also can happen it doesn't always work out like that the person who was the victim in in a toxic relationship can move forward and not become the toxic person but become wiser to be able to identify a toxic person if they ever cross their path and potentially be able to help that person yeah work through those toxic traits. I think that's exactly what happened between you and I. It's exactly what happened between you and I. So that's why I wanted to kind of point out how does one get there and what are the different outcomes of a person who's either been in a toxic relationship mm-hmm. and moved on or end up being um having like some childhood trauma and having family or or an ordeal that was that they were raised by a toxic person and then kind of like being that toxic person just refusing to be a victim you know looking back on my ex and looking back at that past relationship i remember once upon a time um as a child i watched my mother be physically abused and there was physical verbal abuse and i remember growing up saying never me never will i ever fucking let that happen to me and i was doing what most people do not being in that situation myself saying that i would never let that happen to me i was from the outside looking in and what i now understand is is that when you're in or you find yourself in a toxic relationship and let's say it's not at the level of physical abuse. Let's say, it, you know, it's verbal. Not that that's any less worse, but or it's some sort of financial, like one of those other examples that I gave. The abuse happens slowly. It is not like you day one. They're like, by the way, yeah, I think you're a piece of shit that it doesn't happen. And I think the uh, analogy that one of the authors used was is how you could cook a lobster and you can cook a lobster by throwing that shit in a hot ass boiling water right off the right off the bat or you can turn on the flame let the put the lobster in when the water is starting to boil but in the end the result is the same they're still going to be cooked but it's just how you got there death by a thousand paper cuts yeah so this type of toxicity in a relationship evolves through like i said the phases and even though we said phases i want people to know that that could happen over years mm-hmm. over decades it makes me think about a recent conversation that i had with a with a uh, young man that you know made the statement of you know women make bad choices and yep. this is why they end up with men leaving the home and i can tell you from experience and from having many women in my life that there are many instances where you meet a man and he's doing all of those things. All that love bombing, that first phase, he's making you feel like a million fucking dollars, right? And then what do you do? You get married, you have a child, and then fucking five years in, they're like, actually, by the way, I think you're fucking fat. And I think that you this and that, and you're like, what the fuck 
did I get myself into? Yeah. Well, this is why it's important to, and this is so cliche, and I know people have heard it a thousand times, but I really think that it makes sense now that we're speaking about toxic people in this in this way. It's really important to take things slow in a relationship. Yeah. It's really important to get to know somebody. Because a lot of people overlook the infatuation phase. You know, they meet somebody, everything is great, there's this huge attraction, you know, both people are putting their best foot forward and it's easy to forget that in these times all of those bad characteristics that somebody has about themselves, they're holding those back. You know, they're not, nobody's coming out the, I mean, maybe, you know, in a rare situation, but I mean, if you're trying to impress somebody, you're putting out all your best cards. You know what that, I'm sorry to cut you off, but that reminds me like when we play spades, I'm like, bitch, I'm holding the joker. Yeah. For, I'm, you know, so you're holding all your, you know, you're, you're putting out all your best cards. And that's, you know, like a lot of people end up doing that because, you know, they, they want to impress the person that mm -hmm. they're, that they're dating or the person yeah. that they're seeing. What, one needs to remember is that if it's if it is if it's a show if it's something that's a facade that that's fake a person can only keep that up for so long uh yeah right so there is people always have to remember that there is the infatuation phase and i like to i like to label that nine months to a year right mm. I, I feel like between nine months to a year is a good time for somebody to really be with some, two people to be together and date each other and really for a year hold up their best foot forward. Mm -hmm. The second year, the infatuation kind of starts to die down a little bit. People, you know, you're getting comfortable now with the person that you're with. So at that point, true colors kind of start to show. You're really going to get an idea now of who the person that you're dating really, really is because now there's the, com the comfortable sets in. Mm -hmm. And that's when you have the opportunity to see some of the characteristics that may resemble a person who has toxic traits. Yeah. And so at that point, if you make it through the second year, then the third year, for me, this is my personal opinion, is really when I, I'm able to decide for sure, for sure, whether these last two years, you know, the first year was great. The second year, I got to know, get to know a lot about this person that I don't like. Do I want to keep going here? Mm. You know, so it's important to take things slow. I've learned that because I've rushed into a lot of relationships that yeah. ended up being, you know, I ended up being with toxic people. I picked up toxic characteristics along the way myself. Yeah. And then you tried to lay that shit on me. And I was yeah, like, well, uh, nah, fam. How I about mean, no? <laughs> they worked on me. So I'm like, they're going to work on somebody. And Isn't that's that that's the thing. Yeah. That is the thing, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, but that is why when, you know, when we got back together, I was so like, we're going to take this slow. We're going to take this slow mm -hmm. because I've found out that rushing into things, eventually getting too serious too quick, um, you end up finding out things about a person that you may have overlooked. Yeah. And then being in regret. Like, yeah, because then you become blindsided. Yeah. You're like, because so you've been love bombed the whole time. You've been love bombed the whole time. You fell for it. You know, hook, line and sinker. You're in. You're, you know, you're thinking that everything is great. And then the infatuation goes away and the true colors start to come out. You know, who the person really is that you're dating starts to come out. And if they're a toxic person, then that makes it even worse because it's like you didn't see it coming. Yeah. But if you went into the relationship with the mindset of like, okay, I'm going to give this two years. I'm going to put a probationary. Like, there's no need to like say, 
okay, we're not dating or we're not going to be anything for two years. You can be whatever, but just know that you need two years to really be able to look at the person that you're with and say, I know this person. I really, it's not going to happen in six months. No way. And in a year, a person can keep a facade up for a year, but after two years, and it's something about the second year, like when you look at something, you're like, oh, I did that for a year. You want to put, you people put years behind them. So mm-hmm. there's a psychological thing that the thing that happens for someone that's putting up a facade that after they've been doing it for a year, there's so many other things that they're moving on to into the new year that they're likely to move on to the next phase mm-hmm. of the relationship that they have with that person. Therefore, thinking that it's good now, I'm in there, I can start relaxing and showing some of my true colors. And as long as the potential victim has a, you know, is keeping an open eye for these this changing characteristics then at least they can say, well, I was hoping for the best, but I always expected the worst. Yeah. Which is one of my models. I, I, I like to, I try to like, to like to live a lot of my, uh, my scenarios or things that I go into by that was where I hope for the best and expect the worst. So that way I'm never really blindsided. Cause yeah. it's the ones that you see, you don't see coming that hurt the most. That is 1000% true. Yeah. So I, um, I think it's so, interesting that you pointed out that how our relationship started i came from a toxic relationship i was the victim you were in toxic relationships you weren't you weren't the abuser you weren't necessarily the victim no but you were in you were in relationships where the two of you were kind of going at it in ways and then you picked up behaviors Mm -hmm. from these relationships that when you and i started dating when I noticed them, I was like, whoa, hang on a second. Um, I know that this man has some significant depth. I know he has an amazing heart. But what's going on right here is kind of, I guess the best way I can put it, it was like you were you were like a barking dog in the sense of, have you ever seen a lot of these videos that are circulating like on social media where someone finds a dog that has been neglected for a very long mm-hmm. time and when you first approach the dog, they're barking and they're being, you know, they're on the defense mode. But then when you start to show them that, you know, here, I'm just here to help you and here, I'm I'm, I'm not a threat, they open up and then you start to see their tail wagging. I feel like that's what happened between you and I. You had these things about you where you would blow up in a way where I would say to myself, there's something else there. Yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't actually about the situation that just happened. There's something else brewing here. Yeah, and in all of my relationships, problems were never really spoken about. Mm. You know, difference in, in emotional and difference of opinions weren't really, you know, they weren't things that you you talked through. Yeah. You know, I always argued through these things. Yeah. Uh, so my emotions were something that I dealt with in in an argument type of state. Yeah, you were very volatile. Yes, and I, that's just the way that it was. Always was. It was. I was like that at home, and then I was like that in all of my relationships. You were actually the first person where, in time, we ended up talking through our problems. Yeah, because I wasn't about that rah rah <laughs> shit. You know what I'm saying, and uh, and fortunately, I was able to um, to recognize the benefit. And, and in that and how productive it can be for a relationship. And I'm not trying to toot my own horn. The reason why I say I wasn't about that rah-rah shit is because, like I said before, in the past relationship, 
my ex-partner and I, we were toxic to each other. Mm -hmm. So I was very volatile. Um, I, I did things that were deemed crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and you and I have joked about some of these things that I've told you that I've done. So there were moments when, <laughs> there were moments when you'd blow up and I go, uh, you know, I don't think, I don't think me going off the meat rack right now would be, and what I mean by that is me going just to the same level as crazy as him is going yeah. to be helpful because I've done that in the past and I know that it does not help. I really need to control the way that I, my emotions are bubbling right now and just walk away from this and then re reassess. I thank God that I did that because you were the type of individual that if I put just a little bit of fuel to your fire, that shit was, it was, everything was engulfed. You didn't have to put, but you didn't have to put the fuel in my fire. <laughs> All you had to do was bring it in proximity <laughs> and that shit was going to ignite. Like there was, <laughs> there was no, you didn't have to add it. Like there, like, do you forget that? You just kind of bring it in my vicinity and <laughs> everything just ignited. Um, but the beautiful part was that I realized that with all that rah-rah and arguing and whatever, like, and in the end, after the smoke clears, you end up talking, you know, yeah. you end up having to go back and apologize about the way that you were acting or the way that I was acting. And then the, at that point, speak through the issue that we're having in a, you know, in a calm, you know, clear setting. It took two things, though. It took for me to point it out and it took for you to, to self-reflect. Right. So this is why... I was speaking about earlier that because I was able to self-reflect and see myself and reflect back on a lot of the um, the discussions that we've we've had in our relationship, I was able to just see that if I could just take out the argumentative part of it, the mm -hmm. anger portion of it, we could just skip right to the resolution and talk. Yeah, you know, because that's where we would always end up in one way or another. We were that's where we, that's where it ended, yeah. you know, and that's where kind of things, you know, we found peace and resolution and we moved on, you know, which was the best part of it all. Right. The makeup part of it. Yeah. And so I was able to identify with myself like I have to cut that out. You know, like I can't keep bringing that to the relationship because it's unproductive. Yeah. You know, I, I could understand maybe if you were like that and I use that as a way to combat you, you know, because I didn't want to get bulldozed by you. Then maybe I could see how that might be beneficial for me. You know, we were just screaming at each other and stuff like that. But, you know, you that wasn't your style, you know, and and, I, and I'm after a while, I kind of just started to look at myself like, like, yo, you're, you're like you're really not bringing anything positive to the situation with this characteristic. So I had to put that to rest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it took me seeing it within myself, you know, and it also took you. I, f I feel like you guided me. You were you were um, they say attitude is a reflection of leadership. So when mm. it when it comes to the people, two people discussing their issues, you led the way and how that should be. That's a, how it, it can be done in a productive way yeah. between us. And so I had to look back on that and reflect on what guided us through most of the time to the resolution and say i need my attitude needs to be a reflection of that and so yeah. then i started to like i found help in the way that you kind of like you know, simmered you down yeah 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 so I, you oh know. like evil's brother said at our wedding um i put the brakes on you <laughs> yes you did you definitely put the brakes on me in and in, in more than a few ways but so. it, but vice versa Oh yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know. Evil definitely put the brakes <laughs> on me, um, but that's another conversation. That's another conversation. Um, 
But I think in a nutshell, what you're saying is, is that if you're in a relationship with someone who's exhibiting toxic behaviors, it's not, it doesn't mean that it's, it's, it doesn't mean that that relationship potentially could not go into a better realm. Yes. You know, there is potential for the, the two people to grow. Yes. If there is some sort of recognition from the potential abuser or if both of you are being toxic in some facet, mm -hmm. if you are willing to say, this is getting us nowhere. We are literally just fucking rocking a boat in a circle and we're never going to get to land at this point. If the two of you are willing to recognize that or the abuser is willing to recognize it and seek help, however you choose to do that as a couple, there is a rainbow potentially at the, you know, there's a rainbow at the end of the yeah, road. There's I guess. a light at the end of the, the tunnel. Th there's a light at the end of the tunnel is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But there are definitely situations, I can speak from experience, that there is no light at the end of the tunnel and you have to fucking hit the eject button. Right. For your own fucking sanity. Um, but there's one phase that I said earlier that is part of the whole toxic relationship phases that sometimes happens, sometimes doesn't. And uh, it, it's called the hovering phase. And it happens after the discarded phase. After this, the abuser, uh, the person that was being toxic to their partner says, okay, I don't want you anymore. What does one like to do when you're potentially a narcissist, when you're toxic? Um, you try to pull them back in. And you hover. Yeah. And you do it from a distance. You do it in a way that seems very non-threatening. But you try to implement little little facets of or little portions of the love bombing. So maybe you DM them quietly and you say, hey, you look beautiful in that picture. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that I was such a jerk, you know, or, you know, you like one of their posts or, you know, you send them a happy birthday text. You know, you do things that are seem so subtle and so um, there's a word and I love the word and I. I want to say the word um, covertly, you know, like you're doing like a fucking operation, but it's a, a very almost it's a way to get the victim back in without them feeling like you are a potential threat. Right. Or it's, it's a way for you to stay. It's a way it's a way for the toxic person to stay in, in the and the, the person that they were dating in their life. Oh, yeah. Um, to possibly sabotage them. Oh, in yeah. Ways from ever moving forward. 100%. I think a toxic person, in most cases, does not want to see their ex move on and be happy. For sure. Even though the toxic person has moved on, mm -hmm. they don't want to see it, their ex in that. And that goes back to the lack of control. Mm -hmm. That goes back to them saying, oh, I was not able to gain full control over this individual. Yeah. So now I need to do something to get them back in, in my grasp. And they do it so subtle that sometimes the victim doesn't even realize that yeah. they're, you know, they get the what you doing text, you know. And, you know, there's memes I've seen about this when they're like, I'm never going to talk to this motherfucker again. I'm blocking them. And they hit you up like, you hungry? And you're like, oh, yeah. You know what's funny is that it, it does exist in that subtle way. But it also exists in a way that if, if two people have been together long enough Mm -hmm. and they end up breaking up the toxic person almost feels like they have a, a they, they have a it's like they have no respect uh, for their ex's boundaries like they have a right to them they have a right to them you know like they the toxic person 
somehow convinces themselves that, you know, this ain't over. This is never going to be over. You know, like, I don't care if you moved on. Like, like we're we're, we're bonded, you know, like, in some way or another. Like, and you belong to me You belong shit. to me in the one way or another, yes. And so, you know, they may, the toxic person may feel like they have the right to just constantly ask you, you know, be in your business. What are you doing? Where'd you go last night? You know, things that they shouldn't even be asking you just out of respect that you Something that on. they should have no privilege to. Yes. Will feel like they have total right to ask you something like that because of the relationship that existed in the past. And if there's children involved, they might even go as far as questioning the children, trying to get information out of the children. Oh, my God. Absolutely. It's, this it's, is why our daughter is going to be enrolled in jujitsu so that she could fucking suplex somebody. <laughs> because honestly, when I hear those kind of things, it gets me so it gets me so fired up as a woman because, um, you know, from my reading, this obviously happens to more women than men. Women fall victim to these type of toxic relationships where men are physically, verbally, or financially abusing them. Um, and I'm not trying to diminish it happening to men because it happens to men, but sadly, it happens to women more. Is that is there is there is there a statistic on yes. that? Yes. Wow. Happens I, I to see, women more. I see it so differently. I just and I and here's here's why. It's like um, and don't quote me on the exact number, but I'm going to give. From what I remember, it's it's balanced out to not balanced. It's uh, about a sixty forty split. You know, I'm gonna go out on a limb here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna beg to differ based on a hundred percent opinion. All right, uh, I'm gonna give an opinion. This is my opinion, and I and I I feel like it holds some weight. All right, I mm -hmm. feel like that the the statistic is weighed the way that it is mm -hmm. because women are more cunning. Women. There's probably a large amount of women out there that mm -hmm. just don't get caught doing. They're just so slick and subtle about it that see, I can see men men just being very blunt about being intrusive and being disruptive in their ex's life. Mm -hmm. But I could see a woman going about it the, the, the complete, in the complete opposite way mm -hmm. where they're... You are know, you trying to say they were slick? <laughs> trying to say women are women are way slicker than men okay that being said the majority of domestic violence happens at the hands of we're men. we're not talking about violence here though. no but we're, we're talking about abuse no, we're so talking about okay hold on so the, See, the majority of you, domestic abuse you're going somewhere I know, where i'm not i'm not talking about domestic uh, violence uh, no but i said oh sorry let me rephrase that domestic abuse because we said the abuser we're talking about in in a toxic relationship it could be physical it could be verbal or it could be financial yes. right so the majority of domestic abuse right. happens at the hands of men to women so that leads right into the statistic of there are it's the when it comes to being in a toxic relationship where they whatever type of abuse you're experiencing is happening more to women than mm. it is men. Okay. So, what up the point that I'm trying to make uh -huh. is that men will be more abrupt about it. They'll be more blunt about what it is that they're doing. Mm -hmm. A woman will be less less aggressive. They'll do it in a slicker way where Give me an example. Where they may, you know, they may they you know, like I feel like they, they may take more time to do like investigative work to find out what's going on and behind the scenes mm -hmm. in their ex's life and try to find out ways where they can interact in mm -hmm. a way where it's subtle and mm -hmm. it doesn't seem intentional, but it is totally planned and intentional. Okay, I, I will give you that. Okay, so what I'm saying to you is that there is, a, I'm sure there's way more of that that's going on because that's just something that is not 
it's not like a it's not like a green hat with an orange bill where it just stands out. Where mm-hmm. a men in this situation, they put on their green hat with the orange bill and they just go ahead first. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so what you have is you like you see all these green hat with orange bills. You know, like oh my god, look at all these men doing all this stuff. Where as to there, and this is my my opinion, where there could be just about the, the same amount of women doing it, but they're they're doing it like on a black ops level. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just don't see Yo, it happening. shout out to the ladies yeah. doing shit on you the Black Ops level. You don't level. see it happening. This shit is completely behind the scenes, but it is active. You know? <laughs> like, oh, my God. There's a God. whole sub-network of the shit Evo, going on. I think on. you got feelings about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got feelings about that. Yeah, I'm just, you know, this is my humble opinion. That's all it is, you know? I actually, um, that'd be an interesting conversation. Uh, women versus men when it comes to some Black Ops shit. Oh, women got that shit hands down. Mm. and there's some crazy women out there that try to like you know i mean obviously all they they're gonna act like they're abusers at one point you know like they're just gonna be like okay that's this is what i know this is how i'm gonna act fuck it i don't he didn't give a fuck i don't give a fuck so this is what it is but i just feel like women are so much more slicker and cunning they're they will men men okay men have the advantage of physical strength Mm mm-hmm so I, they use that to their advantage. Mm. So when you have women who that's at a disadvantage to them, mm-hmm. what they do use is their brain. Yeah. Because that is something that. Yeah. Well, throughout history, women had to find a lot of ways to do things behind the men, behind the back of men. Exactly. In order to in order to live. Yeah. So it's like it's by default, you know, as women like, OK, I don't have muscles, at least not to the degree that this man has. Mm-hmm. So what do I have? I have this screwdriver and I'm gonna write dickhead on your fucking car. Mm-hmm. What I'm gonna you know do. what I'm saying? Or I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hand this rusty screwdriver to our son so he can give it to you, even though he's a toddler. He might fall into you and be like, I don't know how that happened. What? That that's a little extreme. You know what I'm saying? But it's these are the things that I'm talking that's about. That's a little like, extreme. You know, bro. you know. And the, but there was a meme that I saw like that where it was a uh, actually it was a TikTok where it was like um there was a guy underneath the sink and he mm-hmm. was handed like the, the his son was helping him and the mom was recording and like the son picked up a screwdriver and it looked like he was about to stab the no. dad and it stopped and it froze and then all of a sudden like there was that um that filter where it's the eyes and somebody else's mouth and mm-hmm. they mouth something mm-hmm. and like what people have done with that is just crazy oh, ridiculous man. i think i showed it to you i love social media yeah, i do too i really do yeah. so that's where i got that from <sighs> that actually brings us to the end <laughs> What a way to wrap this shit up, huh? Babies and rusty screwdrivers. (laughs) Like always, Evo, I had such a great time having this conversation with you. Even though it was like a heavy topic, I feel like you and I, um, I just want to let people know that I feel like this show that we have actually helps our relationship because we have to learn how to have these conversations with each other without it getting heated. Because there are times that Evo says things to me that sound very misogynistic and I really have to like, control the way that i feel and then there's times that i know that i say things that evil is like the fuck did she say because we get into it sometimes a little bit before but we've really learned how to have you know some great banter so that's why i always feel like i have such a great time having this conversation with you and i want to thank everybody for joining us whether you are listening to us or you are watching us however you consume our content we greatly appreciate you so how you how you choose to consume us is it's not necessarily important to us, but we appreciate it. So um, now that we're available on literally, I think almost all streaming apps: YouTube, Google, Amazon, um, Spotify, Apple. I think we've made it pretty easy for yeah. you. Give a like, give a share, give a listen, give Re- a subscribe, Re- give it anything. Recommend to a friend, help yeah. us grow so that we can continue. Because I love the people that hit me up and go, "Yo, I love your show," and I'm like, 
share it. But did you share it though? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that yes. brings us to the end of the show. Until next Friday, ladies and gentlemen, peace out.